Welcome to Political Zoo, a podcast all about politics, people, and policies that affect you and our country. My name is Anthony Ross. I'm Robert Eagle. Join us, two unapologetic progressives, as we take a deep dive into the stories behind the political news with a no BS approach that is refreshing, informative, and funny. Now let's talk politics. You have people out there calling for recounts that are unsubstantiated based on no evidence. This was a legitimate election, Mm -hmm. and no one should question the fact that Donald Trump is the president-elect. It's a fascinating group of these Democrats who can't seem to realize that it is time to move on. It is time to accept the fact that Trump will be the next president of the United States. Hillary is on her, her sore loser tour, and now we have her going through recounts. You know what she needs to do? She needs to get over it. She lost. Get out of the way and let Donald Trump be president. Do you think the Democrats are sore losers? Yeah, I do. The reality is they're a bunch of spoiled crybabies. Newsflash for many of the partisan Democrats and those in the mainstream media who continue to try to delegitimize President-elect Trump's uh, massive and historic win last month. The election's over. Hillary Clinton lost. You have to win 270 electoral votes to be elected president, and President-elect Trump actually got 306. This is all really just an effort to try to delegitimize the win. The left's going to lie. The left's going to besmirch. They're going to go crazy. They can't accept the election results, let alone the fact that he's actually going to solve problems. They have to decide whether they're going to interfere with him finishing his business, interfere with the peaceful transition, transfer of power to President-elect Trump and Vice President-elect Pence, or if they're going to be a bunch of crybabies and sore losers about an election that they can't turn around. Clearly, the concept of irony is one that is not known to Republicans. They must be still searching for it because... Those were the exact same people and those clips that are now crying, Oh, the election isn't over. We need recounts in Wisconsin. We need recounts in Georgia. Stop counting the votes in Michigan. We need to keep counting the votes in Nevada. Those people were the same people that were saying, get over it. You're just a bunch of crybabies. Donald Trump had an historic win in 2016. Democrats, it's your time to just let it go. You lost. And now we're looking at those same Republicans cry the exact opposite. That, oh... I don't know, maybe maybe there were hundreds of thousands of people that voted illegally. And, oh, maybe ballot watchers weren't in the room while this was happening. And, oh, the, the, the race isn't over yet. Let's go protest outside of counting centers. These are the exact Republicans who now even refuse to say that Joe Biden has won the presidency more than a week after it's happened. Democrats, yes, we took it hard, but after it happened, we said, you know what? We lost and we went and crawled under our rocks for the next three months because that's how depressed we were. We didn't sit around and create entire conspiracy theories about how all of these people voted illegally and how actually everybody in the United States really loves Donald Trump. And it's just the pedophile ring that just hates him. I am no fan of Hillary Clinton's, but even she did the right thing on election night. She called Donald Trump and conceded personally over the phone to him. And on top of that, remember this, Republicans? She came out and gave a concession speech that was carried on all the major news networks. And where is fucking Donald Trump hiding in his bunker? And where is the wicked witch of the White House, a.k.a. Cruella DeVille, a.k.a. Kellyanne Conway? Here's what she tweeted in 2016. 306 landslide blowout 
historic. And do you realize the irony in that tweet? Joe Biden won the Electoral College vote by, you guessed it, 306, the exact same number that Donald Trump won in 2016. And Kellyanne Conway back in 2016 saying it's a landslide. It's a blowout. It's historic. And if that's a landslide, Donald Trump didn't even win the popular vote in that election. So if you add on the fact that Joe Biden is on track to win the popular vote by a little more than 5 million, I I don't even know what's another word for a landslide. Kellyanne Conway must be thinking that the entire foundations of America have been shaken by this election. Yeah, by her own metrics, it's Reagan-esque. It's FDR-level blowout, even greater than Donald Trump. But no amount of crying and legal challenges and recounts is going to change the fact that Joe Biden did come away as the winner of this election. So today, in light of that, we are going to break down the demographics and go state by state to see exactly what happened that delivered Joe Biden this historic landslide in the words of Kellyanne Conway. And we're going to poke fun at each other a little bit because we did make some prognostications in one of our earlier pre-election podcasts, and we didn't quite nail them exactly. So we're going to rib each other a little bit in this episode and play some clips of our earlier predictions and see who's right, who's wrong, and who's got bragging rights. Yeah, with all these states being officially called now, Arizona has officially gone blue for the first time since 1996. Let's take a listen to what both of our prognostications were on Arizona. I have said this time and time again with the state of Arizona. Hindsight is 2020. You never realize just how far a state has shifted until after the election, which is why I am predicting a four percentage point win for Joe Biden in this state, giving the Democrats an outright majority in a presidential election in the state of Arizona. And that hasn't happened since Harry Truman won every county in the state in 1948. Damn, Robert, that was pretty bold. A four percentage point Biden win in Arizona. Let's see if I did any better. My prediction is not much different. And here it goes. Since 1952, Arizona has only gone red once, and that was Bill Clinton in 1996. And now you can add 2020 to that list as well. Make it twice since 1952. Arizona will go blue. The Republican Party in Arizona died with John McCain. Biden wins Arizona by three percentage points in a seismic political shift in the Grand Canyon state. So maybe our numbers weren't exactly right. We were probably a little more overzealous in the state. We were probably more expecting a Kirsten Cinema level victory, but that's not what happened. Joe Biden ended up pulling out a squeaker in the state of Arizona. But the spirit of our prediction was correct. Yeah, in fact, Joe Biden actually won the state by less than one percentage points. So we were a little overzealous. You had him at four. I had him at three. But nevertheless... A win is a win. And to win the deep red state the first time, as we mentioned, since 1996, when Bill Clinton won in his second term. Wow, it is seismic 
shift. Yeah, I mean, it may not have been that four percentage point win or that three percentage point win, but damn, have the political winds in Arizona entirely switched directions. I'm talking a political tornado. And there are really two things that kind of led to this victory in Arizona. The first is what we've been talking about for four years at this point, and that is that suburban shift. We saw not only increases for Joe Biden among white women in the suburbs, but also white men. He got 47% of the vote from both of those groups across the entirety of the state of Arizona. And those are significant uptakes from Hillary Clinton's margin in 2016. And what was crucial to Biden's win in Arizona was Maricopa County. You kept seeing Steve Kornacki at the big board going back to Maricopa County, Maricopa County. And Maricopa County is basically Phoenix, Tempe, Scottsdale, all the suburbs. And Joe Biden carried Maricopa County, the first Democrat in forever to do so. And that's where the state of Arizona was one at. It was in the suburbs in Phoenix. But I want to bring up one other important thing. The Navajo Nation, which lives in the northeastern part of the state, has been for a long time the Democratic base of Arizona. They showed out in record-breaking numbers, and they broke at a higher percentage for Joe Biden than they did for Hillary Clinton, which is one of the few minorities in America that a higher percentage of them ended up voting for the Democratic candidate in 2020 than in 2016. And the reason why is because COVID-19 has hit Native American populations harder than any minority group, including African-Americans. And the reason why is because they suffer from a lot of pre-existing conditions, a lot of obesity, poverty, and that's a toxic mix when we're talking about COVID-19. Along with the lack of healthcare access for a lot of those people. Hospitals are not readily available. They don't have the best access to Medicare. It's not hyperbole to say that COVID-19 is life or death in that community. And they helped flip Arizona from red to blue. Absolutely historic. Moving on to our next state, the state of Florida, where I once again got Charlie Brown. Joe Biden has won the state of Florida. I'm talking about the Charlie Brown state, where Democrats always come tantalizingly close. And just as we are about to make our kick, Republicans sweep the ball out from right underneath our feet. Dems have fallen into this trap before. In 2018, we lost a Senate here, and we lost a governor's race here. But this year, with Joe Biden at the top of the ticket... I can feel a field goal coming. That's right. Joe Biden will win the state of Florida by 1%. I'm still laughing at you. I was laughing at you when you made that prediction pre-election day. And I'm still laughing because I told you that that was not going to transpire. Here was my prediction on Florida. Oh, Robert, have you learned nothing over these past few years watching Florida's political results roll in? Let me tell you what's going to happen on election night in the state of Florida. Here's the headline. Charlie Brown again. Lucy pulls the football away again, resulting in a razor close loss for Biden. I never believed that boomers would pull it out for Biden in the Sunshine State. Trump wins by one vote. Yes, I said that right. Trump wins the state by one vote. 
So, Florida, it did serve me a piece of humble pie early on on election night because that was the first swing state to end up being called. And obviously, I was more wrong than you. But to say Donald Trump actually ended up basically in a historic landslide in the state of Florida because he ended up winning the state somewhere north of 3%. But on that note, Joe Biden, he did outperform with boomers in the state. And then on top of that, Joe Biden also outperformed with white voters and African-Americans in the state. He brought everything back to the Democratic coalition that Obama was able to do and then some with those demographic groups where it completely fell apart in the state and which I didn't see coming, which nobody saw coming, was the seismic shift among Latinos that was basically just unthinkable before the election. Florida has always been confounding to Democrats. Here's the crazy stat for you. In 2016, Donald Trump won the state by 1.2 percentage points. In 2020, it fucking went up. He won the state against Biden by 3.4 percentage points. You know, all the boomers are like, fuck yeah, give me some COVID. I want to die. Good job, Donald Trump. Bravo, bravo. You have my vote. But Robert, I'm going to throw this back to you because I know you want to get this out of your crawl. Why did Joe Biden and the Democrats lose Florida this go around? Well, this go around, it was entirely different than the past go arounds, which really infuriated me. And I'm sorry, and I hate to blame an entire election on one demographic group in a broad swath because I know there is more complexity to things than that. But the entire reason we lost Florida was because Latinos decided all of a sudden that they just wanted to go vote for the Republicans and Donald Trump because they were afraid that Joe Biden... Joe Biden, the person that has been serving in D.C. for the past 50 years of his life, was going to bring in a new entire socialist economic system and turn this into the next Cuba, when obviously everybody knows that's not going to happen. Joe Biden is not AOC. He's not Bernie Sanders. And even those figures are not similar to Fidel Castro in any sort of way, because those people are arguing on behalf of social democracy, not an entire socialist society that's similar to like a dictatorship. And the entire reason that Democrats lost the state, it's Latinos. Joe Biden only won the Hispanic and Latino vote, which makes up 20% of the vote in Florida by 5%, 52 to 47%. And Hillary Clinton won this group, by the way, by close to 30%. Let me be more specific in Florida. We're talking about mainly Miami-Dade County, which is a Democratic stronghold. And in 2016, Hillary Clinton, with the help of Latino support in Miami-Dade County, she won it at 29 percentage points. And Joe Biden in 2020 won Miami-Dade by only seven percentage points. That right there in that county because that's a huge populous there area are with Miami of thousands of votes in that one county alone. Bingo. That's exactly the reason why Joe Biden lost Florida. He did well with all other groups yeah, across the board. Im- he improved. In fact, some of Joe Biden's biggest improvements came in the panhandle of Florida in terms of just straight out improving on Hillary yeah. Clinton's margin. If you would have told me before the election, hey, Joe Biden in the redneck Riviera, the panhandle of Florida, the most Trump neckers of all, the most backwards racist parts of Florida that Joe Biden would 
blow away Hillary Clinton in there and shrink Donald Trump's margins in the panhandle and he'd still lose the election? I tell you, you're fucking crazy. Yeah, he did better in every single demographic group but one. If he had just even... Just held even. Yeah, if he had held even or just did slightly worse than Hillary Clinton, then he would have won the state. But if you are dropping basically more than 50% of your support from a demographic group, then of course you're not going to win this state. So and here's the I question. I don't want to like recklessly, carelessly say all Latinos, because this really just comes down to Cuban Americans in Florida, because... Puerto Ricans voted for Joe Biden by about a 70-30 split, whereas Donald Trump flat out won Cuban Americans. And the reason why, it's really simple. Fear-mongering works. And Donald Trump banged away at that message that Joe Biden's a socialist, he's a socialist. And not only that, but believe it or not, Donald Trump reached out to the Latino community very early on. Fuck, Joe Biden didn't get involved to the last month when there was all this news like, hey, we're losing the Latino vote. Caution lights going on. At that point, it's too late. Yeah, it's too late. The, 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 the message, message has already yep. been written. There is no backing out of it at that point. Democrats moving forward, if you want a shot, if you need a shot in Florida, we have to start more heavily investing in Latino communities. And that means advertising in Spanish. You have to start early. You cannot let Donald Trump or the Republicans set the narrative. This should be a caution for 2024. Hell, even 2022 in the midterms. Democrats, this group wants to vote Democrat, but you have to give them a reason why. You have to show like, hey, we want you. We love you. You have to earn a vote, Democrats. Yeah. Robert, that is a perfect segue into our next state, Georgia. And you know who earned votes in Georgia? One woman, Stacey Abrams. That is how you win a state. You earn it. Let's review our predictions. Joe Biden has lost the state of Georgia. Democrats have been having delusions of grandeur about this state for quite some time. But yet again, Democrats have topped off at 48% of the vote in this state, with Trump winning the state by 2%, crushing Democrats' dreams in this state yet again. So this is probably <laughs> the one state that I predicted wrong in favor of Donald Trump. I ate my words here because I always say follow the trends because you they're going to be about two steps ahead of you. And I didn't listen to my own advice. There's only so much humble pie you can fit in your stomach at this point. Here's my pronostication on Georgia in our pre-election special. Let me rewrite history because once again, you're wrong. Let me tell you what's really going to happen on election night. And here it is. Georgia, more than peachy. That's going to be the headlines. No, not even that. Peach pie. No, not even that. Peachy chocolate pie. In a stunning upset, the peach state, with the help of the huge surge in African-American population and white suburban women, flipped Georgia from red to blue. Biden becomes the first to win the state since 1992. That was 28 years ago. Biden wins Georgia by one percentage point. Damn, I'm looking pretty good so far. I called Florida. I called Georgia. What do you have to say about that, Robert? Come on, give me some love. Okay, I'll admit those were the better sides of your predictions. Trust me, listeners, they will get worse as the show goes on here. But 
this was something I would welcomely be wrong in this state. And I was happy that I was wrong in this state. And you said it earlier. It's all because of one person. And that is Stacey Abrams. She built her own political machine from the ground up. And we should be thanking her and basically only her for this victory in this state. It's just a remarkable feat. And it all has to do with the shift in the suburbs around Atlanta. Yeah, it's the same thing we just talked about in Arizona. Same thing happened in Atlanta and the surrounding counties. Just a massive shift towards the left. And here's a crazy stat. In 2016, Donald Trump won Georgia by 5.1 percentage points. Joe Biden flipped it by almost a full five percentage points and ended up winning the state by 0.2 percentage points. That is a remarkable shift. Not only is that a remarkable shift, but it's a shift that's been fueled for the most part by minorities. Stacey Abrams helped register 800,000 new voters in the state of Georgia since 2018. A good bulk of those were minorities. And that's just because so many more black people turned out to vote in the state of Georgia than in 2016. And she proved that with the demographics that are just in play right now, that it is possible to win that state because Democrats still lost white college graduates in the state by 11%. Ouch. So yes, has there been that massive shift among white people in the suburbs in that state? The answer is obviously yes, because Republicans are no longer winning that demographic by 30. They're only winning it by 10. But a lot of it has to do with just the high voter turnout of African-Americans in the state. And one other note on Georgia here, which is so encouraging for the future. We now have a path to the presidency, not only through the Rust Belt states, but through the Sun Belt states as well. So we're looking at Arizona and Georgia. If in future elections, we're losing a Pennsylvania or a Wisconsin, that is all right. We now have a dual path to 270. We can win Georgia. That's 16 electoral votes. We can win Arizona. That's 11 electoral votes. Finally, the demographics we've been hearing for the last, what, two decades, demographic is destiny. And finally, yeah, it, it is. It's here. That destiny is now. Yeah, and I think what was best proved by this was that these demographics, they're here. They're here in Georgia. They're here in Texas. They're here in Arizona. The work just has to be done to actually make those demographics viable for a Democratic win. If we do not put in the work, then we are just going to lackadaisically just keep inching and inching closer, but it's going to take easily another decade before a state like Texas is there if we do not put in the work. And speaking of doing the work, every state needs their Stacey Abrams. If we had a Stacey Abrams-like figure in North Carolina... We would have won the state. You're damn right. Let's keep the ball rolling here and let's move on to the next swing state that was probably the most on the fringe, and that was the state of Iowa. Let's take a listen to your predictions a few weeks back. Iowa is still a field of dreams. Trump repeats his 2016 win and pulls out a close victory by 2% in the Hawkeye state. So I think it's clear to say you were right in spirit there. Obviously, Donald Trump did end up winning the state, but your numbers were completely off because Donald Trump ended up winning the state by close to 8%. You know what is so rich? You throwing shade at me right now after you predicted a Florida debacle and a Georgia debacle. Really, please spare me. Let's hear your predictions on Iowa. 
I 100% agree here. I'm looking at the same numbers. I have Donald Trump winning the state by 2% as well. <laughs> I think that's our very first agreement, by the way. Yes, I'm probably like 100% dead on. And while the Iowa electorate proves to still be a highly elastic one, they have decided that they like Donald Trump. And because of this, they're going to be sending their electoral votes to a potential future Trump administration. You just made fun of me on the margins and you predicted the damn same thing. Yes, I'm eating my words only 30 seconds later. We were both right. The margins is not what matters in the state. It is whether you have predicted a win or not a win because it's a winner-take-all system here in the United States. Uh, No, I agree. A win is a win and a loss is a loss. It doesn't really matter what the margins are, as we've seen in Arizona and Georgia. Super close, but winner-take-all. Anyways, let's focus on Iowa. What exactly went wrong for Joe Biden in the Hawkeye State? Because it was looking like damn, we've got a really good shot in Iowa. Yeah, the first thing I want to mention in this state, and the reason why we all thought it was going to be about a 2% loss for Biden is because the polling in the state of Iowa had Donald Trump up by 1%. Obviously, he ended up winning the state by 8%. So that's a 7-point deficit there in terms of how off the polls were. And that is outside the margin of error and majority of polls. Outside? It's not even in the same ballpark, man. Yeah, it's fucking I mean, way wrong, the, dude. The, poll, the polls were simply wrong, not only in the state of Iowa, but a majority of these states. And that has really left us questioning here what exactly went wrong. And I think the first thing that I immediately noticed is that Joe Biden, all of these polls, was picking up much more support among men. We were seeing in these polls that there was a shift back from all of these men that supported Donald Trump and a good portion of them were coming back to Joe Biden. And that just did not happen on election day because in the state of Iowa, Joe Biden won women by 3%, 51 to 48. However, Donald Trump with men won them with 58% of the vote to Joe Biden's 39%. He didn't even crack 40. That's about a 20 percentage point difference. And obviously, that's simply just insurmountable, even if more females do show up to vote. And that's the one thing these polls consistently missed, is that they, they thought more men would be voting for Biden than actually happened. I can break it down pretty simple here for you. Donald Trump won 57% of the white vote. Iowa's super damn white. There's just not a large minority population. A few Latinos in Iowa, most of them are illegal. So you take that into perspective. Donald Trump won 57% of white people. Iowa's almost completely white. There's the difference in the in the poll numbers right there. It's You just can't win it. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody was expecting Biden to pull some of those older Democratic voters back into the coalition, and it just didn't happen. Those people are gone, and they're not coming back. And we'll see that when we talk about some of these Rust Belt states. For the record here, I'm flawless in my predictions. And so far, you have two black marks against you on your record. However, I'm about ready to take my lumps in the pine tree state of Maine. Let's listen, Robert, to your prediction on Maine's 2nd Congressional District. For the first time ever in 2016, Maine split its electoral votes. And I think that momentary blip of history has completely been forgotten because Joe Biden will win this congressional district by 2%. 
That's a three black marks at this point. <laughs> Anyways, let's see if I did any better. I can one up you here when it comes to Maine's second congressional district results. And it starts and ends with Susan Collins. Thank you, Senator Susan Collins. You, Senator Collins, single-handedly lost Maine's second congressional district. Biden, in a dramatic swing from 2016 results, wins Maine's second by four percentage points. Actually, now that we're talking about it, I think do mar- margins do matter because I think I was more correct. No, a loss <laughs> is a loss. And also on top of that, I wasn't basing my predictions on the fact that Susan Collins was no. going to lose that second congressional district. No, fuck Maine. I mean, they've got a dumb nickname, right? The Pine Tree State. That's dumb. Okay, first of all. And second of all, what's wrong with him? They reelected Susan Collins. So, right, they, they've lost all credibility. Sorry, Mainers. When you reelected Susan Collins... I'm done with you. I'm actually going to go off a little bit on these people because in the second congressional district, those people are historical Democrats. They gave Obama in that congressional district double digit percentage point wins in both of his runs in 2008 and in 2012. And then in this very election, they reelected their Democratic congressman, Jared Golden, by a near seven to eight percent. So then they have the audacity to turn around and then elect Donald Trump. And then vote for Susan Collins as well in that congressional district. And okay, I can get it. Maybe you're like, Susan Collins, I love the romanticization of Democrats and Republicans working together in the Senate. What I don't understand the appeal to is Donald Trump. I think the real question to be asked here, too, is can Democrats ever get that electoral vote back? I mean, if Joe Biden can't win that district, I get it. Hillary Clinton wasn't a great fit, right? In Maine's second congressional district. However, Joe Biden is like... Agnes King-like almost, the senator from Maine. He's cut of the same age, of the same mold. Put a mustache on Joe Biden, and he is Senator Agnes King from Maine. Like, Joe Biden fits that second congressional district perfectly. And if Joe Biden can't win it, God, who is going to win it? Because, hold on, let me finish. (laughs) If Kamala Harris runs in 2024, I guarantee you she ain't winning that. I don't think Kamala Harris would win that either, especially if Trump is on the ballot again, which it looks like he will be. But Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders, I think, would have no issue winning that congressional district or an Ed Markey. I think Elizabeth (laughs) Warren would even fare much better in that congressional district compared to somebody like Kamala Harris. And the reason I say that is these people, they are older Democrats, right? This is a congressional district in which it's very rare and kind of a peculiarity across the United States because this is a district that is highly uneducated. It is extremely rural and it is extremely white. It is the largest congressional district east of the Mississippi and a Democrat holds it, which you know that means it's super rural. But Democrats continue to do surprisingly well here. Angus King won it by a massive margin. Obviously, they elected a Democratic congressman in 2018. They reelected them in 2020. And I think you just need somebody that fits that basically Northeastern vibe a little bit more. And I think somebody like an Angus King, somebody like a Patrick Leahy from Vermont, or even Elizabeth Warren. Think about Susan Collins, who does well in that congressional district. They like those type of women. They don't like their Kamala Harris's. And I think any of those people would just do better in that congressional district. So I think the verdict's still out on that second congressional district, whether Democrats can win it. Agreed. But- it could be just a Donald Trump phenomenon. We, we don't know. The verdict's still out. Anyways, where the verdict has been decided is in Michigan. Robert, here's your prediction in our pre-election special. 
on the Wolverine State. I've been all in here on Michigan for quite some time. I've been I've been betting the full pot here on Michigan, and I'm looking at slightly different election results than you. I think Joe Biden is headed for an 8% margin of victory in the state of Michigan, basically returning this state to no longer a swing state at this point and bringing it back home to the Democrats because we've had it really since 1992, and hopefully 2016 will just become a blip in history like Doug Jones in Alabama. Okay, I, I was right here. The margins may have been off, but this was also the state in which in the Rust Belt, Democrats had the largest margin of victory because right now Joe Biden's sitting at a three-point margin of victory, which may be five points off from my eight-point margin of victory, which I made because that's where the polling had it. But Joe Biden, he still brought Michigan back home. And as long as there are those massive urban centers, I think Michigan will probably still stay in a more traditional Democratic column. What I really want to know is why are you throwing hate at Senator Doug Jones of Alabama? I mean, that was just the most random hate shading towards Senator Doug Jones for no reason. We're talking about Michigan. You're like, yeah, Doug Jones, you're nothing but a blip in Alabama. I mean, let's be real. When's the next time Alabama's going to elect another Democrat? The next time a pedophile comes along? In Alabama, that's that's, that's probably more it's frequent true. than the, you think. Probably give it another 10 years for the Republicans <laughs> elect a certified self-admitted rapist. All right, here's my Michigan prediction. Governor Gretchen Whitmer's revenge. That woman delivers the Wolverine state to Joe Biden. Team Biden and the Dems win the state by seven percentage points in Michigan. Another brick was just added to that blue wall in the Midwest. So we were both pretty bullish on Michigan. And granted, it didn't deliver the margins that we thought it was going to. But as we keep saying over and over, a win is a win is a win. And yes, Michigan did make all Democrats and progressives and liberals sweat it out until the next day. But it was so good to see that red mirage just fade away as we went into Wednesday and all those mail-in ballots started being counted and just Donald Trump's lead evaporate. Oh, that was so beautiful to watch play out. On a particular note, I think Michigan offers a, a great microcosm when analyzing their numbers based on the age demographic breakdown. Because in this 65 and plus group, Joe Biden won that group by eight percentage points in the state of Michigan. And usually when a Democrat is winning that group by that large, it's going to be a blowout in the state. And obviously that is not what happened. And maybe that shows more to the evidence of some of those older Democrats, those historically Democratic people coming back into the party. And obviously, whereas the 45 through 64, that ended up being basically a dead heat for Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Joe Biden won it by 50%. Donald Trump won it by 49 And here's where it gets really interesting. And the 30 through 44, Donald Trump won that demographic with 51% of the vote to Joe Biden's 45. Out of all the age groups, that is the only one that Joe Biden lost. And that is obviously Gen X almost in its entirely and part of millennials here. 
And that maybe goes more to the radicalization of that part of the party. And that is a part where basically no historical Democrats are left and there was nobody else to bring back into the coalition. And of course, in that last demographic group, 18 through 29, Joe Biden ended up winning about that by nearly 30 percent in the state. It's very interesting to see these trends and Democrats could be in some trouble potentially as more of these much, much older voters start to die off because those voters actually outside of the youngest cohort are the voters that vote the most blue in the state. What I thought was most interesting in the state of Michigan was about two thirds of the county that voted for Donald Trump in 2016 swung left in 2020. Now that doesn't mean Joe Biden won all those rural counties, but he didn't lose by that gigantic margins that Hillary Clinton did in 2016. And here's an even crazier stat when looking at the counties. In the UP, the uppers of Michigan, you know, the little yes, peninsula. The upper peninsula. Yeah, yes. the uppers, the UP. Historic as democratic, yes. Yeah, they swung wildly to the left. And that's what basically put Joe Biden over the finish line, along with the same trends that we saw in Phoenix and in Atlanta, the suburbs and the core cities of Detroit and those areas overwhelmingly went for Biden. The last Democrat to win the Upper Peninsula was Obama in 08. And Joe Biden didn't end up winning the Upper Peninsula, but he probably did just as well as Obama did in 2012. And that's remarkable. And probably most of that swing came from that group I was just talking about, the 65 and plus where those historical Democrats, those Democrats that voted Democrat for a good chunk of their life, but have been voting Republican in recent years, they came back for Joe Biden. And one last point on Michigan. In 2016, Trump barely skated by. He won the state by 0.2 percentage points. And Joe Biden, it wasn't even close. He won by 2.7. So he just blew Hillary Clinton margins out of the water. It was a clear and decisive victory for Biden flipping Michigan back safely in the Democratic column. Moving on to our last congressional district, that is Nebraska's second. This is where both of us were, I think, right on the money in this congressional district. Let's hear your predictions from Nebraska's second. Folks, why the hell are states allowed to split their electoral college votes in the first place? Only two states do this, Maine and Nebraska. And it just complicates an already pretty damn complicated electoral college system. We should just keep all states a winner-take-all system. Anyways, Biden wins Nebraska's second district by five percentage points and gains one electoral vote. I still hold firmly to that belief. I hate when states like Maine and Nebraska split their electoral college votes. It should be just simply winner-take-all. Hell, I'll even go a step further. We shouldn't even have a damn electoral college. I hate the system. It should simply be... Like all democracies, whoever gets the most votes wins. It's the only race that we have in the United States where we use this confounded, complicated system. I mean, think about it. Senators, representatives, mayors, Attorney governors, generals, everything, everybody. Everything. It's just popular vote. We just should just go to the popular vote. Anyways, my prediction was spot on. Let's hear yours in Nebraska's second congressional district. I'm looking at the same numbers you are because I have Joe Biden winning the congressional district by 6%. And this is just a classic example of the suburban shift, right? We've only seen one Democrat win this once before in all of the time that Nebraska has split their electoral votes, and that was Obama in 08, and that was a completely congressional district. The lines have been redrawn since then, 
and the base has shifted underneath the feet of Republicans here. This is one of the few areas where Joe Biden did actually end up outperforming the polls. Joe Biden was ahead by five percentage points coming into election night, and he ended up winning this congressional district by seven. And I think the reason why the polls were so on in this race, it's because it is a congressional district that one, doesn't have rural area, and two, doesn't have Latinos, which is where the entirety of the polls went askew. I agree with your analysis. No argument for me when it comes to Nebraska's second congressional district. Let's move on to the Tar Heel state of North Carolina. Here is my prediction for North Carolina in our pre-election special. Biden repeats Jimmy Carter's feat of 1976 and Obama's 2008 stunner. Biden wins the Tar Heel State by 0.9 percentage points. Forget you, North Carolina. You have no redeeming qualities, okay? I thought you were ready. I thought you were going to be the next Georgia. I believed in you, but you have nothing to offer. I mean, when you think of North Carolina, you think of Duke University. Nobody likes the Dukies. Then on top of that, you have the North Carolina Tar Heels. Nobody likes their basketball program either. And then you have the Outer Banks, which is basically nothing but a giant magnet for hurricanes. No redeeming qualities in North Carolina. I'm totally off your bandwagon. You know who never was on the North Carolina bandwagon? Me. I never bought the hype about North Carolina. North Carolina, similar to Florida, Democrats always miraculously end up coming short in this state. And I was like, I swore up and down, North Carolina will not go blue. And yes, did I say the same thing about Georgia? And did I say the opposite about Florida? Maybe. (laughs) But my gut ended up being right about North Carolina. Take a listen to me. Are you done? Are you done? I was right. (laughs) You're so humble. I must be looking at a different map or smoke too much weed tonight because I'm seeing a 0.5 percentage point win for Donald Trump here in this state. Joe Biden is no Roy Cooper. He is no Cal Cunningham. I'm just looking at a completely different electoral map. I'll give you your due. You did call North Carolina correctly. Although the encouraging sign for Democrats, Trump won the state in 2016 at a clip of 3.7 percentage points. And then in 2020, he only won it by 1.4 percentage points. So I haven't, I guess, entirely given up on the Tar Heel State. It's trending the way of Georgia. The issue with North Carolina is there is no Stacey Abrams. So we continue at this minute, extremely small trend where each election, it just gets closer for Democrats. Unless you have an utterly outstanding candidate like Roy Cooper that's relying on Republican crossover to get you across the finish line, then Democrats will keep losing. We just don't have somebody that is on the ground, running the ground game, doing the voter registration drives. And because of that, we continue to lose in this state. The number one takeaway from this election is Democrats, you cannot ever pause. You cannot ever be like, well, I think we've done enough work here. No, Republicans will work until their asses fall off in those states. Come hell or high water, come a a once in a lifetime pandemic, they will continue to do voter registration drives and we didn't. 
Not only that, I want to put to bed right now this little intramural war the Democrats are having in their party. You have progressives on one end and moderate Democrats on the other. And the moderate Democrats are screaming, oh, it was our messaging. This defund the police is why we lost in House races across the country and the reason why we lost in Senate races. And the progressives are like, no, the reason why we lost is because you didn't do the goddamn work. North Carolina, I think, is a really good example of that. I've got a stat here that's going to blow your mind. Donald Trump gained traction in counties with a significant share of black residents. That's because he did the outreach. Now, granted, does it, is it fucking blow your mind? It doesn't make any sense. Donald Trump's the biggest racist ever. All true. He was constantly reaching out to the black community. Now, granted, it was all fucking lies and horseshit, but he's still reaching out. He was doing the work. That sounds terrible. He wasn't doing the work. His campaign team was doing the work. And Democrats, you need a Stacey Abrams in North Carolina. You got to do the work. You got to be on the ground. And another thing that hurt Democrats in the 2020 election is we, because of the pandemic, decided not to canvas and go door to door and meet voters in person. And that really hurt us in places like Florida and North Carolina. And it's not just black Americans in which Donald Trump gained ground in the state. It's also Latinos. Joe Biden only won Latinos in the state with 57% of the vote to Donald Trump's 42. Democrats, Republicans should not be breaking 40% with Latinos. If they are breaking 40% with Latinos, you know we have failed at our jobs. That's as simple as that. There's also a large Native American population in this section of North Carolina. It went from Obama in 08, and it went for Obama in 2012. It went for Trump in 2016, and then it went for Trump in 2020. If we continue to lose grounds like this among minorities, and we're not gaining it enough among white people quick enough, then we will start to lose elections. Speaking of losing, let's go on to the Buckeye state of Ohio. Robert, here's your prediction on the state of Ohio. I am going to have a pretty bold prediction in the state of Ohio. Ohio, for the longest time, has been the national bellwether of the United States. And I think... Through 2020, its bells are going to keep on ringing here because I think Joe Biden is going to win this state of Ohio and it is going to be by 0.2%. It is going to be razor close. We are not going to know these election results for probably weeks out. I think I think Ohio is actually going to be a closer state than Florida is that that is really what I'm looking at right now. It's going to be a big swing. Obviously, Trump won it by eight points in 2016, but Uncle Joe's bringing bringing the union workers home. Do you hear that? Listen closer. No, you don't hear a damn thing. There are no bells ringing, okay? There are absolutely zero bells ringing. Joe Biden ain't bringing home any white working collar voters back into the Democratic fold. Yeah, so Ohio, clearly the bell broke in 2012 and it's just sitting like the Liberty Bell now because it's not ringing anymore. But clearly I failed to notice the crack and you didn't. Take a listen. Did you know Buckeyes are poisonous? They are highly toxic, especially to Democrats in the state of Ohio. Trump wins Ohio by two percentage points. However, 
Biden wins the overall election and Ohio, as you pointed out earlier, is a bellwether state. It loses its national bellwether status because Joe Biden wins the overall election. And so Ohio, for the first time since they got it wrong with JFK in the 1960 election, they get it wrong with Joe Biden. Ohio is on its way to becoming the next Missouri, at least for Hold the on, foreseeable I'm, future. Wait a I'm going like, to briefly skip over the fact that that prediction was way <laughs> off base. Let's talk about the trends in Ohio. I love how you just like, yeah, let's move on and uh, not give me my, uh, my due on that one. Uh, no, yeah, the trends in Ohio are terrible for Democrats. As you were hopeful, what was going to play out was that Joe Biden was going to win back that high school educated white blue collar worker, but it ain't going to happen. And that was the whole premise behind electing Joe Biden as the Democratic nominee, right? Like he's our guy. He can speak to those voters. If Joe Biden can't speak to those voters, ain't nobody going to speak to him. They're gone. They're never coming back. We have to form a new coalition. You basically hit the bullseye there. I was expecting Joe Biden to emulate something similar to what Sherrod Brown had done in 2018. You're referring to the senator of Ohio, Sherrod Brown. Yes, the longtime Democratic serving one. And that's just not what happened because Sherrod Brown, even though Donald Trump won all of those white working class union counties in northern Ohio, Sherrod Brown came in in 2018 and won them all back, including Mahoning County, which is where Youngstown is. Those areas are historically Democratic, and they, they've been giving Democrats victories about 10 to 20, even in Mahoning County, where they've been giving Democrats 30 percentage point victories. And Sherrod Brown brought all of those people back into the fold in 2018. So I thought, oh, maybe it's more of just like a Trump effect, and those people will come back for Joe Biden, because Joe Biden and Sherrod Brown, they share a lot of similarities. And that's just not what happened. Even Hillary Clinton won Mahoning County and Ohio, where Youngstown is, and Joe Biden didn't. He lost more support among those white working class union workers, and he just he failed to gain any traction. And the one place Joe Biden did better and the reason why he didn't lose by more is because of the suburban shift around places like Columbus, Cleveland, and Cincinnati, Dayton. But that just isn't enough. Yeah, Ohio is a rather confounding state because it does have those large urban areas, as you mentioned, Toledo, Cleveland, Dayton, Columbus, Cincinnati. Those are major urban areas where there should be enough vote to put us over the top, but we just are getting swamped in those rural areas. Donald Trump is turning out damn near 90% of eligible voters, and he's winning those counties by almost those same margins, like 85 to 15. I mean, we're just getting crushed in the rural areas in Ohio. Donald Trump proved what everybody thought was impossible. And that is that you can lose urban voters. You can lose suburban voters where majority of America lives and only win rural white voters. And you can still win a state. And it's impressive because that just means people in urban cores and suburban areas are having significantly lower turnout than that in rural America. But here's the catch to that. Donald Trump did win 57% of white voters this election, which happened to be the same percentage he won in 2016. However, here's the kicker. White people this time in 2020 only made up 67% of the overall voters. The white vote is going to keep shrinking. We are becoming a minority-majority country. And as that happens, the Republican chances of winning 
keeps shrinking every four years. Also, on note, I don't think Ohio is ever going to get to a place where Missouri is, where Republicans are winning by 20, 30 percent. Agreed. The urban areas are just too large. too much urban area. The suburban shift is just, it further keeps happening than what was happening in 2016. And also on another note, the most conservative section of Ohio's population is the oldest section. So it's not like Michigan, where the really old voters are voting Democratic. No. And the youngest voters are the most democratic. It's the expected trend that you would find. So as more of those older voters die out, Democrats' chances will start maybe to come back into into a clearer view in Ohio. And speaking of trends, let's hope you reverse this horrible prognostication. You've got four black marks on your record to my two. So let's hope you can reverse some of these trends. And we're going to move on to the keystone state of Pennsylvania. Here was your prediction on our pre-election special. I think by the end of the night, when all the votes are tallied, Joe Biden's going to come away with a 5% victory in the state of Pennsylvania. But again, this blue wall, I mean, it's hard imagining in a state here, which they even went red, considering just how far to the left they've gone. It looks like the black check marks have stopped because, not to brag, but I'm basically the next Charlie Cook if we're just analyzing these Pennsylvania results here. Albeit, albeit, Joe Biden's margin of victory was smaller than expected, but a win is a win in America. First of all, you comparing yourself to Charlie Cook is laughable at this point. Anyways, I agree with you on Pennsylvania. And you know what? Charlie Cook, he's a little more hyped out than he's supposed to be because he had Texas as a swing state. And we all know that damn wasn't true. So <laughs> Good point. Let's listen to my pronostication when it came to Pennsylvania. We all know Groundhog Day takes place in Pennsylvania. You know, that fat, stupid little groundhog that they hold up every year in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania to declare, is there going to be six more weeks of winter or spring coming early? Well, that harkens back to the famous Bill Murray movie, Groundhog Day. And Donald Trump is stuck in the perpetual 2016 Groundhog Day in Pennsylvania. He keeps reliving that victory. Well, in 2020, the results are vastly different than 2016. Biden wins the state of Pennsylvania by seven percentage points. And the last brick was just rebuilt to that blue wall in the Midwest. Okay, so seven was a little overzealous, seven percentage points. Nevertheless, it was a solid Biden win. Robert, can you break down how it came to be in Pennsylvania? Yeah, I mean, it's basically been the same trends we've seen everywhere else in the United States. There was that massive suburban shift. Very few voters, rural voters, ended up coming back to Joe Biden. I do believe there was some minor shifts towards Joe Biden in rural areas and the southwestern part of the state near Philadelphia, which was historically Democratic, but nothing that really would get him anywhere close to win. The entire win, for sure, came within the suburbs of Philadelphia. And also one other thing to note here, across the nation, we saw black voters trend towards Donald Trump. This is actually the one state where that didn't happen. And they actually trended further to the left. So big big thanks, big applause to black Americans and Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and and Erie, Pennsylvania, which really delivered Democrats a, a win along with the suburbs. And don't forget about Allegheny County in and around Pittsburgh as well. They delivered big time for the Biden campaign. 
And Pennsylvania really made us sweat it out, right? Because Biden's team on election night was down roughly 700,000 votes. And I'm thinking to myself, God, I need a bottle of pills here and I might just kill myself because there's no way Biden's going to overcome Trump in Pennsylvania. But damn it, sure enough, Kornacki was right. Once all those mail-in votes came in, just that red mirage just fade away. And Donald Trump's got nobody but himself to blame for that, by the way. Also, one other thing here. Pennsylvania did show that the favorite sun effect is still a little bit true because in Lackawanna County, which is where Scranton, Pennsylvania, which is obviously where Joe Biden grew up, I think he mentioned that at literally every single campaign stop, even on the end day voting, the end day voting, which split heavily for Republicans, Joe Biden still got over the 50% mark in Lackawanna County. And obviously, since the mail-in votes have come from that, it's swung even more towards the Democrats. And that's a county that Hillary Clinton didn't win in 2016. So a big applause there to Joe Biden. People in Scranton, I mean, I guess they really like Joe Biden. It's not Joe Biden. It's Scranton Joe. Okay, get it right. And if you look at Lackawanna County, it is a blue county surrounded in a sea of red counties. So yes, the favorite son effect is still alive. And Kamala Harris, favorite daughter effect, she did carry California, right? I'm not counting that. (laughs) California, uh, no, doesn't work. Kamala Harris, sorry. Trump carried Florida. He's technically a Florida resident at this point. Mike Pence of Indiana. It's all. It's all that favorite son, favorite daughter effect. It's still in effect. Moving on to our next state, Republicans stand to fight another day in their Alamo Texas, where they once again came out victorious. Take a listen to Ross's prediction. In a reversal of American history, the Alamo does not fall and is still standing as Republicans fight off Joe Biden and the Dems to hold on to the Lone Star State in a closer than expected 3% victory for Donald Trump. I think everyone saw this coming. Uh, There was a lot of hope among Democrats for Texas, but I think every Democrat in their heart of hearts, they knew it wasn't just quite right for Texas. I mean, hell, even you with all your black marks on your prognostication record, even you knew Texas wasn't going to happen. Let's listen to your prediction, Robert. I think the Republicans' margin of victory is going to be a little wider than that. I'm seeing probably about a 5% victory for Donald Trump in this state. The Republicans won it by 9 in 2016, and I'm having a hard time imagining that they lose 6% of their support in this state. And Democrats can sit here and dream all they want about winning Texas, but it, it just isn't going to happen at this point. Texas is not there. Well, I said I was Charlie Cook a little bit earlier, and I think this proves it. I predicted a Donald Trump win by 5% in the state. He ended up winning by 6%. That's about as dead on as you can get for a prediction. Wow, you're taking moral victories here, I see. I am taking the moral victory. I know I talked about it. It's a winner-take-all system, but it doesn't matter. My prediction was really close. (laughs) Clearly, you need an ego lift here. Uh, But in all seriousness, what's really interesting about Texas, demographics is destiny, and we saw it play out in Georgia. And slowly but surely, we're seeing it play out in Texas as well. In 2012, Barack Obama lost Texas by 16 percentage points. He got his butt kicked in Texas. In 2016, Hillary Clinton only lost by nine percentage points. Respectable in Texas. 
Joe Biden in 2020 only loses by six. So you're seeing this margin of victory slowly shrink every cycle by three, four, five percentage points. So if we just keep that trend going the right way, my guess is, this is my long-term prediction for Texas, in 2028, that's our year. That's when Democrats take back the Lone Star State. Put it on the record, 2028's our time. (laughs) Democrats could have won this state, this election, if they had actually invested in it, similar to everything else. Democrats, they actually don't realize they have to do the work and the only states they want to invest in are in the Rust Belt. And of course, Joe Biden's campaign is not going to win a state in which they do almost no campaigning in until the last week. They sink no money into and there's no infrastructure in. If Texas had had their Stacey Abrams in 2018, I'm pretty sure Better O'Rourke would have won that state. I don't think Joe Biden, even with the Stacey Abrams, was going to win it this year. Texas, it's viably there, especially in Democratic wave years. There just needs to be a better ground game. There needs to be more organizing. There has to be more canvassing and voter registration drives in this state for Democrats. We have to actually set up a structure in these states if we actually want to win them. But what's most scary is the misinformation that Latino voters in Texas are susceptible to. And I'm looking at the Rio Grande Valley along the Texas uh, and Mexican border. It is downright scary how much these counties along the Rio Grande River has shifted towards Republicans. Now, granted, Joe Biden still won these areas, but Donald Trump won a huge margin of the Latino vote. He didn't win the overall Latino vote. But there was a gigantic shift, and it's because Donald Trump's lies actually worked. Lying in politics works. I hate to say it, but it's true. Yeah, I mean, Democrats for the longest time actually haven't been invested down in those communities. And because of that, there basically is no available information because those people aren't seeking it out on their own. Democrats need to realize you have to spoon feed things to your supporters, Otherwise, you will lose them. And Hidalgo County, which is on the border in Texas, where we saw this type of shift, Clinton won that by 40 percentage points in 2016. Biden only won it by 17. That is a 23-point drop. And I'd imagine if we didn't see this massive Latino shift in Texas, then Biden would have become much, 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 much closer. I'll, I'll do you one better than Hidalgo County. Look at Star County, a rural border county that was hit hard by the coronavirus in the summer. It had the biggest shift of any county in the state. Hillary Clinton won Star County by 60 percentage points in 2016. Biden only won by five. That is a 55 percentage point swing. That is insane. And that's obviously a heavy, heavy Latino county. Democrats, you cannot compete in Texas if if this continues. And it's not just those counties. I mean, it's across the entire border. In Zapata County, where 93% of the residents are Hispanic, Hillary Clinton won that county in 2016 with 33 percentage points. Donald Trump won that county this year by six. It doesn't take any stretch of the imagination to realize if Joe Biden had done as well with Hispanics as Hillary Clinton had done four years ago, then we would have seen probably more of a better O'Rourke Ted Cruz style race in Texas instead of the one that played out this year, which albeit was still progress. But when you are taking 
massive hits to this part of your coalition, then of course that progress is only going to be small and incremental. I'm in complete agreement with you. Texas is trending our way, but we cannot continue a backslide with Latino voters. The DNC needs to invest heavily in voter outreach. You've got to be on the ground. We've been saying this whole episode, we need a Stacey Abrams in a every state. I'm looking at you, Beto O'Rourke. You're our guy. You can turn Texas blue. And in our last state of Wisconsin, let's listen to our predictions. This is a state that has defied my previous predictions in the past. Originally, I would have predicted that Wisconsin would be the closest state in the blue wall. But that was a previously foolish statement because Uncle Joe here is coming away with a 6.5 percentage point win in the state of Wisconsin. All right, you're you're finishing just like you started really badly. Wisconsin, for the record, was the closest margin of victory for Joe Biden in the blue wall state. So even though you did correctly predict a win for Biden, not so good. I originally, I originally, before I said that, had thought that Wisconsin was going to be the closest. Then the polls led me astray once again. Also, fuck pollsters. I'm going to say that almost every podcast from here on out. To be fair to you, all the pollsters had Joe Biden up wildly in Wisconsin. The RCP averages ended before the election at plus 10 for Joe Biden. And that's an average. That's not like an outlier of one poll. That's an average of all the polls. So he was projected to do really well in Wisconsin. Obviously, he won the state by less than one percentage point. So the polls were slightly off. Anyways, let's hear my prediction in our pre-election special. I have one better for you. How does this sound? Cheesemongers rejoice. Trump will be whining about his loss in 2020. And you know what goes well with wine? Cheese. Wisconsin cheese. Biden wins the state by six percentage points in Wisconsin, and another brick was just added to that blue wall in the Midwest. You know, you're talking a lot of trash for predicting literally almost the exact same thing I did. For the record, I did predict that Donald Trump would whine about Wisconsin. Damn, I nailed that, right? I mean, I was spot on that prediction. And also, for the record, I only missed two states. You, sir, have a total of four misses. So I think it's clear who the expert is here. Well, where the polls got it wrong and what led all of us astray in this state was the fact that, yet again, the polls showed Joe Biden doing better with those white, uneducated men. And none of those pickups came. Those, that was a group of historical Democrats None of it came. There may have been minor improvements for Joe Biden among those groups, but not the five, 10 point shift that was being picked up in the polls. And because of that, this magical 10 point victory never ended up materializing in this state. I, I totally agree with you. And I have a suggestion for all the political scientists and the prognosticators on TV and the pundit class when it comes to politics. And this, as you mentioned, white, uneducated voter. Let's just stop calling them white, uneducated voter, or sometimes they're referred to as high school educated voter. Let's just call them rednecks, okay? Because that's what they fucking are, right? They're low information, white trash 
rednecks. Okay, that's what we're going to refer to them as going that's forward. That's true. <laughs> Republicans always complain about how Democrats are super politically correct, but we always give you guys the nicest names. You are out here calling us libtards and snowflakes on TV, and we refer to your voters, who about 20% of them had don't even graduate high school. <laughs> Can't read or white, write. <laughs> white non-college educated voters and you know the richness of i mean we could be out here calling your voters white trash the scum of america the feeders off the social programs in which we fight for we don't do that just call them either white trash or joe dirt it's just one of the two anyways the irony of the snowflake attack on liberals progressive democrats the biggest snowflake right now is sitting inside the White House. His ego is so fragile right now. None of the Republicans around him have the guts to go up to Mr. Snowflake himself and say, Mr. President, you lost this election. Hell, That's how fragile he hell, is right not now. Not even just the Republicans in the White House, across the nation, only four Republicans in the Senate have congratulated Joe Biden on a victory. And Mitch McConnell has come out and said the election's still not over yet, which not only is dangerous to our democracy, but also it just goes to show that, hey, Republicans, I know you've been talking about how we've been snowflakes since the Obama era here, but you're the real whiny bitches in America. It's not only that. There have been more foreign leaders that have called Joe Biden to congratulate him and recognize him as the president-elect, then there have been Republicans. Like you mentioned, there's only a handful on the record. Four. Four senators. It's insane. Mr. Snowflake himself, Donald Trump, the most fragile man in America. To round off our predictions here, let's take a look about how both of us predicted the Electoral College. So what do you got? I got it at 338 to 200. Wow, so that's a clear and decisive Biden victory. So those numbers were a bit off, probably about about 30 30 electoral votes there. Joe Biden ended up winning with 306. Was that exactly right? No, but it doesn't matter because I still had Joe Biden coming across the finish line there, and that's what truly matters in American politics. He crossed 270. That's all I care about. Now, you're spot on, right? 270 to win. That's the only number that matters. Anyways, here's my prediction on the electoral vote in our pre-election special. I have the electoral college vote at Biden 322 and Trump 216. So across the board, you may have been slightly more on on your predictions, but that's really, if we're going to be frank here, that's really just because you were more conservative on air than you were off air. (laughs) Because listen, off the record, ladies and gents, he was predicting a Democratic win in Texas, and he just didn't want to admit to it if he was wrong. And one little last treat for our listeners out there. We're going to replay our popular vote predictions and see who came out on top on this one. Yeah, I think Joe Biden's going to win the popular vote by 7.5% on election day, which is a massive number. I'm well aware of that, but that's actually going to top Obama's popular vote victory in 08. And also it makes the largest share a Democrat has won of the popular vote since LBJ. To be fair, that wasn't that off. Biden's on track for a plus five percentage point win in the popular vote. So it was in the ballpark. Yeah, it's respectable. It was was in the ballpark. And here is my popular vote prediction in our pre-election special. 
Wow. Uh, we're actually extremely close because I've got Biden winning the popular vote by eight percentage points. And I truly think he's going to win the popular vote by roughly five to six million votes. All this proves that you don't know how to do math. <laughs> it's true. A five to six million win in the popular vote only gets to a five percentage point win. He's like a five to six million votes. Uh, that gets you an eight percentage point win. In my defense, I was spot on the actual number because it does look like Biden's going to finish somewhere between five and six million. Uh, but yes, you're 100 percent accurate. I cannot do math. You know, some of our predictions may have been off, but we got it right where it mattered. And that was predicting Joe Biden as the next president-elect. And this was not some close election. This was not a redo of Bush v. Gore in 2000. This was a decisive victory for Joe Biden. He won with 306 electoral votes to his name by 5% in the popular vote, garnering more than 5 million-plus votes on Donald Trump. I mean, that, that is a pretty resounding win by Joe Biden on the presidential level. So Republicans, it's about time you wrap up the whining, wrap up the bitching, wrap up the legal challenges, because as you said in 2016, stop being a bunch of sore losers. Face it, Republicans, America doesn't want its pussy grabbed by Donald Trump anymore. Thanks for visiting Political Zoo. Please share Political Zoo with your friends and family. Subscribe, rate, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Instagram at politicalzoo underscore podcast and Twitter at political underscore zoo. And don't forget, democracy, it's not a spectator sport. So do your part to stay informed and vote. <laughs>